Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Brian Moylan is, uh, is so, it's so nice. I like Brian so much and I haven't had him on the show in I think seven years. And he's so great. He's a wonderful writer and I can't say enough good things about him and mean things about him at the end, like always. Um, he is no longer living in the United States of America. He is in the United Kingdom. We talk a lot about that. And uh, I am still living in the United States of America, and that's why we have a Patreon account. You can go to youmethemeverybody.com and donate there. If you're listening to this on Spotify, go to youmethemeverybody.com. It's in the podcast description. It's right there. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Moylan. Okay, how is this? this that's good. Fantastic. Brandon Weathery, I'm so excited. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Um, I'm probably not as good as the last time I saw you. And I'm assuming you're slightly better, but in a very different place, both literally and figuratively. Yes. Why are you not in a better place than last time I saw you? Well, you're still employed and I'm not. So that's the major difference. Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm still a straight white man in America. I like, they still cannot complain. It's not fair. Can, as a straight white man in America though, is it like hard to get a job right now? Well, only because of the field I'm in, and that's, once again, I am not complaining. I'm not going to complain that the only people looking for work are diversity hires right now, but I'm worried that everyone that gets those jobs won't have those jobs in two years once people seem to just forget that black people has been systematically, like, removed from culture since the foundation of this country. You know what I mean? Right. Well, and it's hard because I'm with you, like, I want to be supportive of people, et cetera, but also, like, girl, I need a job. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, uh, so yeah. And I know that that's the position that these people have been in, you know, for generations. And so like, I understand it, but also like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I want to make it very, very, very clear. I am not begrudging of anyone that is getting hired right now. I'm just worried that those jobs aren't going to exist very long. Well, and the, I mean, but that's the thing is how long does any media job exist these days? Exactly. So, but you've been doing what you've been doing for a very long time. You've just done it at different places. Yeah. Well, and now I'm just like writing books, like Mm -hmm. ghostwriting books. Mm -hmm. Are you enjoying that? I mean, I like it in that when I was freelancing it's like if i had like a steady like contract gig it was fine but Mm -hmm. then when it's like the pay is such shit for like writing on the internet to like run down the number of articles one has to write in a month to make a decent living Mm -hmm. is like insane and so it's like i'd rather just have a book and work on one thing for six months and like know the person has to talk to you and you know, know where the money's coming from and when I'm going to get paid and Mm -hmm. all that and not have to chase it all down. And I have an agent who just like finds me stuff. And so I just like, yeah, so it's just so much easier than dealing with like all the craziness. I still do some recaps and like hearing stuff here and there, but it's like if people approach me and say, hey, will you write this article for me? I always say yes, but I'm Mm -hmm. not out there like pitching because why? (laughs) <laughs> well, the why for a lot of people is like things like health insurance, but you no longer live in the United States of America. You are, yeah. are you a resident of the United Kingdom? How does this work? I am a permanent, yeah, I have what they call leave to remain. 
Okay. Uh, oxymoronically, but it's tied to my husband. So my husband has a work visa mm-hmm. like through his company. And so I have my visa through him. So if he gets fired or leaves, I have to go with him. So that's like the main reason I'm grateful. Not the main reason. That sounds horrible. I'm very grateful my wife is gainfully employed <laughs> and I was able to yeah. transition from one health insurance from my employer to her provider. Like, so right. once again, I feel like I'm lucky, but it's a messed up thing to say, oh, I'm lucky when... <laughs> Like the right. world is disintegrating. That, yeah. If I get hit by a car, it's not going to put me into bankruptcy mm-hmm. riddling debt forever. So how is the marriage? Because I think the last time I saw you, you were not married. The last time I saw you was March of 2018 in Washington, D.C. at Trade, which I don't know if it's even open anymore because of coronavirus. I mean, well, is anything open even more anymore? Who can say? Yeah, exactly. Who can say? So, so how has the last two plus years been for you? Um, it's been good. Well, so we had to get married to move here to London um, because my now husband never let me move in in New York City. So if we had lived together for two years or more, the UK would have let me come with him. But we did not. So we had to get married. So we got married for visa reasons, had a little shotgun wedding, um, you know, and I applied for a visa and whatever. And yeah. And so I've been here officially, we moved like two years ago, but Mm -hmm. then um, I had to like come back to the US for a bunch while we were like dealing with visa stuff. So I got here officially like full time a year and a half ago. Are you glad you're there and not here during COVID-19? Absolutely, 100%. And like, I wasn't loving it until (laughs) all this happened. And now I'm like, oh my God, thank God that, especially like New York, where it was so bad. Mm -hmm. And just being stuck in your tiny little apartment in New York City, this must, I'm sure, would have been miserable. So here it's like we have a big flat, there's a lot more parks, there's a lot more room for people, there's normal size supermarkets so you can go to the market and not be on top of each other and there's an nhs and um so if you need anything someone will take care of you for free essentially um yeah so that has been much better i am very jealous of you but okay so my co-host uh she's a black woman in washington she's a black woman and in chicago she's a hispanic and asian woman right not two different women. She's Hispanic and Asian. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it's like when she moves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I always how, ask, how I always ask them like, are you glad you're in America? And my black co-host is always like, this place wasn't built for me. And the, and my Asian slash Hispanic co-host is like, where else am I supposed to be? Like where, where right. else is better? And now, uh, especially since coronavirus, uh, but also, uh, the murder of George Floyd and the, the process about systematic racism for the last two months. It's like, now you feel like a, like a real bad person to say like, I want to leave this country because it seems like you're fleeing racial injustice. But if anything, you just want to live because this country will never take itself seriously when it comes to health. Yes. And <laughs> right. And, and that's what I've been struggling with. Um, because here, the, you know, Boris Johnson isn't nearly as bad as Donald Trump, but you see some similarities in the UK compared to its European counterparts and countries of similar size, like didn't Mm -hmm. really handle things as well as places like France or Spain or Germany. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I think some of that is these leaders who think science doesn't matter, Yeah. but also, you know, so I wonder like how much of this is Trump and how much of this is something 
inherent in the American people where they just can't, you know, follow yeah. the rules and wear a mask or, you know, stay away from the bar or, you know, whatever. I think so, it's inherent. That's the thing. It, we'll get to drag race inevitably like we always do, but uh, <laughs> this just reminds me of the 2016 election. And I don't know if you remember this, like the confidence of RuPaul and, and the like of like the culture wars are over. It's only time to move forward. And looking right. back, that seems so stupid, but it's actually not yeah. stupid. It's just, it's a continued pendulum, right? And yes. it, the pendulum will never stop um, because if it did, you would just live in New Zealand and you don't. People <laughs> chose to come here for the right reasons for the, for the majority of people. So um, I don't think it's a Trump thing. I do think clearly some person is making it a hell of a lot worse, but yeah. um, you're the first person I know that has left America before this started and is glad you're there. And everyone else that I've talked to you that came here when they were like 15 or 20 or 25, they're still glad that they're here. Right. Which is mind I mean, blowing to me. Well, and it's like, it's so funny because I still read the New York times and I still feel almost like I was going through everything, especially with the George Floyd stuff, because there mm -hmm. were some protests here, but they were smaller and more contained. And, um, you know, just a couple, you know, on the weekends for a few weeks. Sure. It wasn't like it was every night in New York City. And that was really hard for me because I wanted to be a part of it and it felt like I was sitting on the sidelines a bit. And I raised some money. I sent a bunch of money to various and sundry causes and whatever, but that also felt a little cheap to me. Mm -hmm. So I wish I was doing more about that. But in terms of health stuff, like, yeah, I'm happy to be here, but I'm still like obsessed with what's going on in America and reading about it and feeling more like I'm there than I am here. Yeah. So it's a weird kind of middle ground. And everybody here is obviously like, girl, America's a mess. Good. So, <laughs> you know, so I keep yeah. just having to be like, yup. <laughs> I mean, right. there's nothing else I can say. Every time I think this place is horrible, I just think of the pop culture that we produce and no one's even close to taking that number one spot. So everyone across the world could just shit on America. Feel free. I get it. I do it too. But like nothing is as good as our pop culture. Literally nothing. Absolutely. You could maybe say K-pop, but K-pop is just blatantly stealing from like the Swedish stuff that we stole. <laughs> so no, it, it's <laughs> right. not like the, the culture still goes through the States. Therefore it'll be super interesting to see how the perception of America is in, in a decade from now. Yeah. And well, and I think that's the interesting thing is that, it, America used to manufacture things and now our major export really is culture. And, and it, it does sort of unite the world in a way around this American idea. And, and especially because so much of the culture that we explore is somewhat left leaning. I think it does mm -hmm. you know, give people a sense of what America's like that may not be what it really is like on the ground. It's interesting way. that the pronoun you used is R. So you still identify more as an American than a Brit right now. Oh, I mean, totally. I, I have never felt more American than when I moved abroad. Because yeah. even like here, as soon as I open my mouth, people oh, yeah, are yeah. like, oh, okay, I get it. And like accents here are such a big thing anyway, because of class and mm -hmm. location and blah, 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 all this other bullshit. And so, yeah, but it will and also like I didn't realize when you're around a bunch of other Americans, you don't realize your American -y tendencies until mm -hmm. you're 
around people who don't have those things. And then I'm like, oh, okay, I am like very American. What's something that you never even noticed two years ago, but it's very obvious now? Oh, I, I'm just like much more aggressive, mm-hmm. I think. Well, especially coming from New York City, mm-hmm. like, and people here like do not respond to that at all. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think I'm louder. Uh, I think I'm a lot more forward than a lot of British people. And I'm pretty forward like to begin with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like really crazy. So things like that. And just, I mean... I, I miss air conditioning so much. I miss water with ice in it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. just like shit like that when it's like, oh, this is like an American. I Like I just saw all water came with ice in it. But no, yeah. that's like an American thing. And yeah. And sometimes I'll go to a restaurant, especially for Sunday brunch. And I'll just say, I want like take a pint glass, fill it with ice. Yeah. And then pour water on top of it. Like that's what I want. Please. Thank you. Love American Brian. Are you still not drinking? I'm still not drinking. Is has that been easier to do with or without the coronavirus? Um well, I never really was much of a drinker, so it's not like something I miss necessarily. I will say I did not realize until I moved here what drunks English people are. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I don't drink makes them very uncomfortable. Yes. Whereas like in America, you know, you, I don't like to be like, oh, I don't drink because a lot of times I just don't want to get into explaining it all. But, you know, if it gets to that point, I'll say, oh, I don't drink. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, yeah. oh, good for you. Good lifestyle choice. And here they're like, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, or I'll say, I don't drink. And they'll be like, so do you want a beer? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Uh, no, I don't drink like anything. Thank you. Weird British people. And they get, oh my God, they get so drunk here all the time. Like in the middle of the day, it's insane. That's the thing that's mind blowing to me. Like uh, clearly I've not lived there. You've you do live there, but it seems that it's a lot earlier than anywhere else in the world. And with like beer drunk, which is very difficult to do because they're not drinking IPAs. They're drinking stuff that's like four, maybe 5%. And they're drinking it kind of warm at like 4 p.m. and the bars close really early and I don't get it. Yes. Yes. It's Well, that's why they start so early because the the bars close early. And it's like in the winter here, it gets dark so early that, you know, by like four o'clock, 3.30, it's like pitch black. So yeah, people just start so early. And I mean, they get so wasted in parts of London, they have these things that they put out in, in the, on the weekends in some of the more nightlife oriented parts of town. And they're like big round gray things and they, they're divided in four and they're outdoor urinals, like on the street corner so that people can pee in the urinal on the street corner rather than just like pissing on the buildings. Which brings us back to your Real Housewives recaps. I still, <laughs> the only time I ever see Real Housewives stuff is like if I'm about to watch Top Chef and I catch the tail end of it or right. something like that. And then I'll occasionally read your stuff. I enjoy your writing immensely. I cannot, for some reason, turn my brain onto that show. But mm. every once in a while, like I will see someone peeing outside on a lawn probably <laughs> yes. naked throwing yeah, like a Sonya torch. Yeah, peed in a corn maze. Yeah. yeah. And I and I think of you. And I'm like, what, Thank you. <laughs> what draws you to this, this piece of culture? 
I feel like, so I'm actually currently working on a book about the Real Housewives phenomenon mm -hmm. and the history and behind the scenes and um, the cultural impact of it. And like the whole last chapter is about why we watch these things. And, you know, I think that it's really a lot of different things all at once. Some of it is, uh, you know, finding community with these women where it's if you're home alone you want to feel like you're part of a friend group and you can talk about them and be like oh my god Sonia Morgan's such a mess mm -hmm. and and that brings you into the sort of the community of fans and there's so many including my husband we talk about housewives more than we talk about anything else because we both watch them and we're both obsessed with them and so you have like that community aspect of it and I think that there's some wish fulfillment of it and that you want to be like them. But then there's also the flip side of it where I'm glad I'm not like them and they're such messes. Mm -hmm. And I just think that at its best, I always liken it to a Tennessee Williams play where you have these characters that are just so outlandish and deluded and crazy and supposedly have it all, but they're really going through awful things. And so it's kind of like great literature and okay. that's what I like about it. But I always say that there are ironic fans and sincere fans and like people like myself who watch it and are kind of analyzing it in a way. And then there are people who watch it and are, think I want to be like a housewife. I would be such a great housewife. I want to behave like that. And that's not me. <laughs> so <laughs> but, you're, um, you're, you're the ironic fan then? Yeah. I okay. feel like I watch it kind of like, oh my God, you guys are kind of a mess and I want to analyze you and find out, figure out why you're so fucked up. Yeah, but As you're also like, like, you've befriended a lot of these people. <laughs> I wouldn't say I've befriended a lot of them. I wrote, I ghost wrote one's book, Erica Jane. She's lovely. And I would say she's a friend, but that's okay. kind of about it. I try to keep them mostly at arm's length because they're all exactly like they are on television. And so what makes for great TV makes for awful dinner companions. Got it. So I just want to keep them, you know, a little bit. I want to keep them on my television, not in my life. Do they reach out to you when they read a recap? Occasionally, but it's usually the ones that I am nice to and okay. the ones that I like. And so, and some of them, like Kelly Dodd from Real Housewives of Orange County is a big fan. And Carol Radziwill, when she was on the show, was a big fan. She would like send, tweet out the link to my recap every week. Um, so those are usually the ones that I hear from are the ones that like it. Lisa Vanderpump from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills yelled at me once on Twitter because I accused her of lying about her age. Um, and she says she does not, but I still think she does. Fuck you, Lisa. Why... Not why. How are these impossible questions? How are these shows going to exist in this era? Because of the obvious. I mean, I saw when the George Floyd stuff started uh, happening. I think you. I don't know if you were tweeting about it, or writing about it. The um, there's like systematic racism in a lot of these shows, right? And a yes. lot of these people, some of these cast members are racist, and it's like come out in the shows, and like the black uh, people are treated differently than the white people a lot of the time. So, how do you see this these franchises moving forward? Do you think it's even possible for this to succeed in a year from now? I've really been struggling with that, and I think that if uh, things go blue in November, I think the Housewives have a fighting chance. If things go red, I think they're kind of doomed, and. Um, like I wrote my whole recap this week is about Ramona Singer, who is a real housewife of New York. And so you would think that because she's a real housewife of New York, she's liberal and cool and, you know, whatever. 
but she, um, you know, was at that party with Don Jr. and mm-hmm. Kimberly Guilfoyle in the Hamptons where she supposedly got COVID-19 and they were all hanging out there without masks and she tweeted all lives matter. And, you know, and, and she's on the show kind of just being awful. And before it was like, oh, I can overlook their politics because the politics don't really matter on the show. They hardly ever come up. And so it's like, oh, I don't really matter who they vote for because I'm entertained by them. But I feel like we're in a position now because of, you know, all the Trump stuff, all the coronavirus stuff, all the George Floyd stuff, where it's harder and harder to ignore those things with certain people. And so, yeah, I'm finding it harder to divorce myself from those things as it was in the past. But I do think that you know, Bravo on Vanderpump Rules, which is a Real Housewives spinoff show. Um, they fired a few people for racist tweets in the past, et cetera, after the George Floyd stuff. And my thing was like, girl, it took George Floyd and, that, yeah. you know, these crazy protests to fire these people. Like, you should have just fired them in the first place. Um, but and I do think that they are trying to address that. You know, there's the kind of black housewife shows and the white housewife mm-hmm. shows and trying to integrate those more and um, dealing with those. But I talked to a lot of academics who talk about race and media and things like that. And if it's, you know, and how that functions um, in terms of like Atlanta and Potomac just being black people and all the other ones being white people. And is that racism or, you know, what have you, or, and it, they had a real lot of really good, complicated answers around those things. And so I think it's interesting that you can kind of use the housewives to interrogate those things and how society treats these people and see that. But I do think that Bravo uh, needs to be better about integrating the shows and showing a real version of what New York City is like, as opposed to just rich, white, Trump people from the Upper East Side. Well, the, when when you say the word rich, like that's not exactly true. That's actually, these are not the 1%. These are like nouveau rich with like, it's the same way Trump is rich. He's not actually rich. Like it's, well, it's, it's fluid. Trump, like, I bet Trump is probably, it depends on which housewives we're talking about. Like the New York housewives have a fair amount of money and the Beverly Hills housewives have a fair amount of money. Some of the Dallas ones do. And, but then the rest of them, like, um, you know, Atlanta, they just have money from being on the show more mm-hmm. or less, which, you know, some of them are probably making close to a million dollars a year. And I think that, you know, and some of the academics I talked to, you know, say like they should talk more about that and less yeah. of this like, oh, look at the fabulous life I leave and lead and more. I've acquired wealth. How, how do I hang on to it? How do I pass it on to my kids? How do I make this mm-hmm. into a business? Like just approaching it more realistically than just like, I'm so rich. Yeah. Um, and yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that's the question. (laughs) These shows on Bravo specifically stick out so much to me because, like I said, the main reason I'm watching this show is because Top Chef, which is, like, not the exact opposite, but very, very different, inherently diverse, just based on the panel and the judging alone. The cast members, incredibly diverse from all over the world. Even if it's the majority of America, it's from every part of this country. The type of cuisine is literally worldwide. There's a giant travel aspect. It's almost the exact opposite and it's paired on the same network and then you'll occasionally watch these recaps on watch what happens live with these housewives with tom and padma and it's just i feel like we're living in alternate worlds and the only one that could bring us all together is andy cohen but (laughs) yeah but it's it's 
do you think that this all belongs on the same network? Like, I'm okay with it, but it just seems so jarring. Well, it's so weird in that, you know, for my book, I did a whole thing about the history of Bravo. And, you know, it started as this network that was, it was a subscription service like HBO, and it was all opera, Mm -hmm. ballet, symphonies, like really, really, really highbrow stuff. And their first kind of breakout show was Inside the Actor's Studio. And that carried on and on and on through the like Queer Eye Project Runway, like Top Chef years, where it got more about like culture competitions and things like that. And it was, you know, kind of highbrow reality television. And then as they lost Project Runway and some of the other shows weren't as successful, it moved into this sort of Real Housewives below deck sort of thing. And you know, Top Chef is really this vestige of a former incarnation of Bravo. And now, like, I went to BravoCon, which was like Comic-Con, but for Bravo people, and there was almost zero Top Chef representation there. Like, it was all Housewives, Below Deck, Married to Medicine, like the sort of docu-soap kind of stuff. So I do think it belongs on the same uh, network, but it's definitely going more in this sort of Housewives direction and what some people would consider a little bit more trashy than the highbrow Emmy-nominated Top Chef stuff. Yeah. Speaking of which, have you watched Padma's new show I have. on Hulu? I have. It's very good. I am not disappointed. I don't know why they didn't lead with the Milwaukee episode. And I understand, like, doing the, the Border episode. But the Border episode is not nearly as good. I only saw a couple of them because we don't get Hulu here, which mm. makes me upset. Okay. But um, Padma is a good friend of my husband's. She actually married us. and All right, stop um, bragging. And she sent us a few episodes to like look at. And it, it was the border episode and the one with the uh, like South Carolina with the rice. Yeah, that one's really good. The one with Michael Twitty. Yeah. I think the Twitty one and the Milwaukee one are a lot better than the border one. Because the border one, it seems like you're trying to do Bourdain, like blatantly. But everyone's trying right. to do Bourdain. But I get it. Right. Yeah, but I think it's really interesting just to like, you know, and and very of the moment to kind of look at the American experience through their food and stuff is, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, and, that... And, and that is obvious, like though Padma is a Bravo personality, that is definitely not something Bravo would ever show. I think to Bravo's detriment. Okay. So that show and Top Chef, uh, they both have like pre-show, not warnings, but just like, hey, these restaurants might not live because of coronavirus, so here's how you could kind <laughs> right. of help. Um, th- th- these these are become like bittersweet um, photographs of the recent past. That it's yeah, it's very odd. Now, how is it in terms of dining in the UK? Can you go out? Do you feel comfortable going out? Do you want to go out? So things are he- here are a little bit different in that we were never asked to wear masks inside until very recently. Mm -hmm. So there's very little, at least in London, there's very little mask wearing anywhere. And now like a week or two ago, we started having to wear masks in stores, but you still don't have to wear one in a pub or in a restaurant. And um, so when you're, so it's like, when you're so why, spitting saliva everywhere and you're getting louder because you're drunk or you're getting loud because there's loud music in the restaurant, you don't have to wear a mask. Right. Okay. And, on that, and, and then they started like, you have to wear a mask in shops, but you don't have to wear a mask if you go to the movies. And it's like, um, what? <laughs> it, which is sort of like, that's kind of been the whole 
Johnson government response yeah. to all of this. It's all very weird and confused and somewhat arbitrary. But I will say, like, when you go to restaurants and pubs, it's like all the tables have to be either outside or, you know, so far apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're taking precautions and you have to check in and give a phone number in case, you know, somebody tests positive so that oh, they can okay. track you down. And um, you're ordering, like, on your phone, so, and then they just bring it to you. And so they're taking precautions, which I makes me feel good and that it's not like those scenes you saw in Florida where it's just people all crammed in a bar, like yeah. nothing ever happened, you know? And so they are taking it really seriously. And so that makes me feel like it's better to go out. I actually just went out for lunch today. It was delicious. So you feel um, comfortable and, doing that? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I think because it seems like reasonable, like cases are really low in London um, and in most of the country, and they are doing some localized lockdowns, um, which seems to make sense. And yeah, so cases are really low. People are taking care of themselves. Like there are some precautions. It seems like everything's sensible. So that gives me what may be a false sense of security, but it is a sense of security. And they just started this thing called... Um, eat out to help out <laughs> the somewhat unfortunately yeah. slogan. No, no, that's a perfectly named slogan. That's great. Um, yeah. And so today at lunch, we got like 50% off from the government, like for oh, going weird. out. That's a great idea. Yeah. That's and great. so like lunch was 20 pounds for, you know, two of us, yeah. uh, which is at a nice restaurant. So it's pretty cheap. So nice. yeah. So they're, they're offering incentives like that. And some of it is, um, the restaurants don't necessarily have to pass that on so they can kind of take some of that and mm-hmm. funnel it back into the business if they lost a lot of business or whatever. It, de- it depends like place to place. But um, yeah, so I feel good about that. I'm very jealous of that right now for obvious reasons. I know. Yeah, we like went to the country this weekend, stayed in a hotel and got to like hang out by the pool and um, be outside. So it's nice. And we get to get, we can go to most countries in Europe and come back and um, not Spain anymore, which English people are upset about. So yeah, it's like things are returning to normal-ish. Very jealous. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Which is why I'm like happy I'm here. If I was still like stuck in my house. Yeah. yeah. I have a screaming baby, which means I have a very short time limit, but I do want to talk a little bit about Drag Race if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Okay. You love. Are we season- ta- do we want to talk season twelve or do we want to talk All Stars five? Are you watching Canada? Have you watched UK? Uh, yes to all of them except the UK. Let's go in order twelve. I agree with you. I loved your uh, final piece. I think it was Vulture of um, yeah. they should make All Stars season six. Uh, uh, just rerunning twelve. I completely agree. I've been talking to my wife. Uh, I know exactly how much these queens would make a DC pride. And you're right. They are missing on their biggest payday. It's a shame. It's not fair to anyone, especially them. So yeah. I agree completely. The Aiden Zane thing was so boring and it was over her and Britta only because of the sherry pie thing, which I clearly yes. want to close with. I a hundred percent agree with you on every single aspect of this. I don't, I kind of don't want to know about RuPaul's sex weird mask, but I kind of do want to know like what that was about. Um, (laughs) I think she, I think RuPaul can't do her makeup to the level that we are anticipating. So she's like, I'm going to wear a mask. Yeah, but we know what you look like in a suit and you look amazing. Just wear a boy's suit. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Okay. Um, Number two, 
I really did enjoy this season of All Stars. I know you weren't thrilled. With really, the cast. I really did enjoy it. I because <sighs> I'm not the biggest Miss Cracker fan, but by the end of it, I would have been okay with Cracker. I thought Shea Coulee was great, and they I think they just ran this season so they can give Shea Coulee the crown, which I'm a hundred percent okay with. Totally, and I would have been totally fine with a Jujube win. Exactly, as well. Jujube's I, final look, the best look she ever had, but. You're Absolutely. bringing that way too late. Shay's already set the bar so high with her yes. looks this season. You can't come back from that. But I also feel bad for Juju B for the same reason I feel bad for the season 12 girls. is like her coming back to All-Stars, I feel like would have given her a Manila Luzon bump for like the people who weren't into it in the early years. And it's like, oh, now we get it. She's awesome. But she, again, can't be out like doing gigs and stuff right now. So I feel less I feel bad like... for her because she's already in the world of Wonder Orbit. I wouldn't be shocked if within like six months we see another TV show of her on World of Wonders network. I wouldn't disagree with you. Okay. So finally, not finally, moving on to Canada. Oh, my God. I love Canada so much. I have so not much. watched it yet. I love it so much. It is perfect to me. And um, I one of my favorite things to do is talk with my wife and my friends like, if any of these queens could make it on the American version and there's like maybe three and they're not bad. It's just like America is so much better, which finally yes. brings us to UK's version. Yes. Oh my God. I don't like any of these Queens. <laughs> um, well, it's weird because drag here is so different in that it has a much more like working class kind of uh, connotation to it and is what they would call end of the pier entertainment where it's very kind of like rough and it would be like working class dudes, like putting on a dress and a wig and pretending to be drag queen. So you get a lot of that coming through. Um, yeah. But I like some of the Queens and bag of chips has been in like, they have all these panel shows and stuff here where things it's just like people being funny on TV because mm -hmm. they're super cheap to produce. So she's kind of had the best career coming out of it of anybody and i feel like i would love to see a bag of chips or a canadian queen uh where people might not have seen them before watched them before on the all-stars u.s version and so it's like giving them that sort of exposure to a larger market i kind of thought of that too but do you remember when they did the first ever like american idol but like the world version of it so like the best like kelly clarkson from season one versus the season one winners from like all the other countries yeah and it was like a great idea, but then really boring. <laughs> right. I feel like that's how it would go. Not because any of these people are bad or good. Just like the the level of competition is so varied. It's not fair. Like the worst person on All-Star Season 12 would probably win Canada's Drag Race. That's absolutely true. But so. I also feel like I would rather see a shitty queen from Canada that I don't know than India Farah who brings nothing. But that was kind of the or point. Or Mayhem Miller who on. brings nothing. That, that, the, the point of India Farah was like, she's a, she's like a, this sounds so bad to say about a human being, but she's like a nothing person that just causes drama. And then you're questioning that drama until the finale just so Alexis Mateo could be like, see, I was right all along. I'm not crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But I mean, she, at least she was better than like, who else? Who were the early outs? Like Mariah Balenciaga. Yeah. Like I who? did like Mariah Balenciaga's t-shirt in the finale. I did as well. So, I did as well. So like even the ones like I don't care about at all, there's always one moment where like that's fun. Right. And I'll take yes. that. And, but I would rather like if you are looking for filler – then bring us like at least international filler filler we haven't seen before rather than like filler we don't care about 
Now I'm kind of surprised that you you mentioned filler like ten times, but didn't even mention detox or any of the other lip sync assassins. <laughs> oh well, and that's the other thing is you are so unconfident in your all stars that you have to get bigger all stars to draw people into the show. No, I disagree. That's- I disagree completely. It's not that you're not confident in them. It's just that you just you're reminding people that all these people exist and you know what we would have saw if the world was still working we would have saw an ad for the vegas show oh totally and that's the only reason why they had it so it's not like they don't believe in the cast they just wanted to consistently plug the vegas show but because the vegas show is dark you didn't see those commercials right no you're you are absolutely correct about that oh my god there there is no one who i hate more than Derek barry why because because he's in a thruple even Beefy O'Hara, I hate. He's just so awful, so full of himself. He's not at all good. I, girl, you can be in a thruple all you want. I don't give a shit about that. Like, I, more power to you. But I just think he is a nasty, not good drag queen, and should have just done Britney in the talent show, and maybe she would have lasted longer. But the fact that you, the person you hate the most, is the first eliminated, doesn't that bring you some joy? I mean, yes, a little bit, but I also do have a little bit of joy in hating somebody who's around week to week <laughs> and just be like, oh, my God, I hate you so much. But I finally got my husband into Drag Race. Oh, it took years, but he's like uh, firmly on the bus now. So well, who's his favorite uh, queen? What's his favorite season? Wh- what does he consume thus far? Well, he we I made him watch like All Stars 2 season five. Um, season four. Okay. Okay. And, and then like we started a few seasons ago and so he's watched like since then, but, um, he started the season after. I think four uh, is needles, right? Four is needles. Yeah. We watched needle. No, we watched, no, we watched five and six. Okay. Six was five was jinx monsoon and six was, is it a door? Maybe I think so, but she was an all stars too. Anyway, his favorite is as he calls her Alyssa Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I mean, he's a fan, but not that big. Of a fan. <laughs> um, did yeah, you watch but, Alyssa's Netflix show? Um, I watched a little of it, but did not love it. Did you watch AJ and the Queen? That's like the one I haven't. I actually am. A oh my god, hesitant. it is miserable yeah i don't want to ruin it like i kind of had that feeling but the other the hbo show is pretty good the one with uh bob uh, that hasn't come here yet okay so i haven't seen it yet there's so um, much content and i'm so glad world of wonder has a network but like it's weird <laughs> not a lot oh of God, it's, it's great so well and so this is so i worked on uh what turned out to be very controversial New York magazine story about drag race and um, interviewed a bunch of the Queens. And, you know, we were talking a lot about the economics of it how much money they're making and so on and so forth. And Trixie told me that even with winning and the prize that she got, she lost money being on all stars. And I think that's the problem is because these Queens are now like, you know, Eureka is not going to do all star. She's filming an HBO show fucking making bank. Yeah. So you end up with the mayhem Millers who, you know, yeah. that's what you're left with because those are the people that have something to gain from being on All Stars. And, you know, I think someone like Blair St. Clair comes on and shows that she's really changed and that she's a really cool, interesting queen now. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And yeah. it's good for people like that. But I think a lot of them, I'm just like, 
okay, I didn't remember you before. I don't remember you now. Who cares? Um, I'm so glad that my favorite is still doing okay with Katya uh, and her and their book, and it's doing really well. And I just uh, I'm hopeful that the coronavirus doesn't destroy a lot of the people that have substance abuse problems and sends them into oh my another God. spiral. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure that it must be very difficult. Did yeah. you watch the Trixie Mattel documentary? Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it is really good. But to see Katja like go yeah. to that dark place was scary. Yeah. I have a yeah. theory that Bob is the only one that would be just as successful with or without drag. I think that is probably true. But I watched his special on maybe Amazon. Yeah. And I didn't love it. No, but... Bob on that HBO show, Bob uh, replacing Katya on that show, Bob yes. just doing direct-to-camera stuff, not the stand-up or whatever. He's pretty good. And Absolutely. You're 100% correct. Um, yeah. When does the book come out? The Bravo book? Bravo oh, sorry, book not the Bravo book, the Housewives book. Housewives book comes out fall 2021. Oh, boy. <laughs> Books take forever. It seems like now might be the best time to strike because a lot of people are at home. I know, but, um, yeah. But you're not the publisher. Yeah. And well, and we're like still finishing up the manuscript and then it has to go through legal and then it has to be designed and all that (laughs) shit. So, um, yeah, well, and I'm worried that, you know, they've been airing housewives, but they haven't been taping any housewives. And so I don't know what it's going to look like in the next, you know, year, because it takes them like eight months to kind of yeah. shoot and make a season. So it's going to be a while before we start getting new ones. Which We might have sad. like five seasons of Drag Race between now and then. Oh, my God. So many seasons of Drag Race. I'm okay with it. I mean, I am getting a little fatigued. I'm not. How do you feel about Celebrity? Um, It was a fine as a one-off, but that's all I had in me. Agree. And I wish they had gotten some better celebrities. Well, they couldn't. And I think that was the joke for a lot, a lot, a lot of it. Jeez, a lot of it. But just do drag, bring drag you back. I like drag you. I'm like the only one. Um, Aren't they, are they not bringing drag you back? I don't know. I want, just bring that back. That makes sense to me. I mean, how many drag shows can we watch though? Like, is there a saturation point for drag in the economy? Yo, for sure. But as long as it's no more than one a week, I'm cool with it. Do you dress the baby up in drag? Not yet. And nor will I, because then you're just a weird asshole. <laughs> I will let the, um, the baby who could wear whatever the baby wants, but the baby has no uh, uh, opinions about anything because he's a baby. Right. And then it says more about you yeah. than it does about your baby. Yeah. So I'm not doing that because like, I don't want a Gigi good kid. I don't want to raise my kid to be this thing before it knows it wants to be anything. Are you going to raise your child genderless? No, because gender is, even though it is a construct, the child does live. So no, I'm not going to raise him genderless. But w- the name we chose was intentionally easy to transition from um, uh, gender, from boy, girl, or neither. Got it. It's an so- inherently genderless name or gendered name if they so choose. And you could say it uh, four different ways. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, you know, good forethought. We thought that going in and then, yeah. And also, like, if you just want to pick your own name, pick your own name. I don't care. It's your name. Do whatever you want. (laughs) My um, nephew is like 15 and his mother, you know, has a 
gay siblings on both sides of the family and you know whatever and so raising the kids she was always like you know oh whoever you might want to date when you're older and whoever you fall in love with and you know very careful about not being like when you date a girl or whatever mm-hmm. blah 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 and so finally now that he's 15 he you know got sick of it and was like mom you can stop it i'm straight and i was like <laughs> oh my god i just love that we live in a world now where like you have to come out as straight oh yeah <laughs> that makes me so happy oh yeah it's great well, it's also great because once again, uh, my kids thus far uh, of cisgendered white male, so it's a lot easier, and I'm not going to yeah. deny that fact. And to deny that is inherently wrong to me. And how are so are you like full time daddying now? Yeah, I'm full time daddying, which means I'm being a full time bad daddy because the kids away, so I got to end this. But yeah, I'm full time dad oh. now. But I went from um, paternity leave straight into furlough, straight into laid off. And how is at home time with the kid? Um, it's a blessing and a nightmare because. And uh, yeah. <laughs> is your wife working from home too? She is working from home and she's very much full time. And it's a nightmare for her too because uh, we feel like we're bad parents because he went from seeing kids literally every day, with like a different story time or something, to like seeing no kids or maybe one kid on a weekend socially distanced apart. But it's like, it's not, it's not worth right. the risk, you know? But I am thus far grateful that he will not remember any of this, depending, hopefully this will be done by the time he's like two. So yeah. we have a year to figure that out. <laughs> For his sake. Yeah. But other than that, we're good. I mean, the reasons why it's a nightmare is just like your boilerplate stress, your like normal stuff. Like I'm so glad that he's alive and healthy and that we're not doing this while she's pregnant and there's like hospital visits or doctor visits. So like, I feel very grateful that we're in this like weird window of like alive, but no memories and healthy. Sounds good. Yeah. Brandon Weatherby. Brian Moylan. You're one of the, my whole week. You know, I've known you for almost 10 years. We're so old. (laughs) Well, clearly that's where I stopped this. I know I gained so much weight in lockdown. I was thinking of you. Fuck you. I, sh- oh, I hate you so much. <laughs>